1: Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work I do at Insignium, a global management consulting firm. Let let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thank you, jobbing.com. Great partnership. If you missed the show last week, we were on the air with Anna Scheller, who is a motivational speaker and sales trainer, business owner, and real estate investor. She hosts two radio shows, Black Belt Selling and Sales Mastery, and is the author of Black Belt Selling Closing with Confidence. We talked about the content she covers in those shows, her perspective on using sales scripts and getting coaching for yourself, and the membership platform she works with now to help her clients in their own sales development. It was a fun, engaging conversation. With us this week, and right here with me in my Dallas office studio, is Christine Cassidy, who is the senior consultant with Boer Consultants here in Dallas, where she has worked for dozens of organizations for more than two decades, helping them increase their productivity through effective communication. We'll be talking about how oral communication and presence, business writing, and other key interpersonal skills help give leaders a leg up and set them apart. So, Christine, welcome yes. to Working on Purpose. Hi there. Thank Hi. you so much, Elise. It's so fun to be here. Can I just say, listener, she's got these, this beautiful head of red hair and these big, gorgeous blue eyes, and she's looking right at me.
2: <laughs> Great. Well, Elise, I'm so thrilled to be here. And I kind of wanted to start with I did a little research and understand that one of your key themes is how to get unstuck at work or if you want to move to a higher level of involvement and contribute. More to the job, right? Isn't that kind of it? And I thought your audience will really enjoy tuning in this afternoon because I believe the work I do really helps people achieve greater workplace satisfaction. And I really enjoy my work. I've gotten to travel all over the world sharing these concepts, and I'm thrilled to share some with you this afternoon.
1: I'm thrilled to have you, and I love the fact, it doesn't happen very often, Christine, when somebody that I have on the the show has, like, done their scoop on me, like (laughs) that you just did with that. That's fantastic and fun. I'm not surprised because you're a communication expert,
2: so I'm not surprised. Yeah, it does help to do some preparation. There's a key right there. And just to kind of give our listeners a way to better relate to this subject of communication skills in the workplace, just think for a second that... Communication is how we get things done. It's just the basic business act. I mean, everybody has to do it. And we're going to communicate every day. I think what I see is a lot of folks consider, hey, come on, I got this, I got this in, you know, I'm too busy working, I don't need to take a look at this. But It's really hard to make the most of your career if you tend to ramble. Don't you know people who Mm -hmm. just kind of ramble on? Repeat themselves. Yes. Or um, maybe they talk too fast. You know, we need to slow down so we can stay with the person talking. And I even heard of uh, some young uh, folks who text a great deal during meetings I'm not so sure that that's a good idea. And sometimes people are just uncomfortable speaking to groups. And so I really feel that Boer Consultants offers a career boost with really simple techniques. So... What we do at Boer Consultants is a three-legged stool of communication. And the first leg of our stool is about presenting. And, you know, you might think, oh, I don't present in my job. But we, yes, we do help with people who do formal presentations. But we also look at that informal presenting, you know, at a meeting or even running into someone in the hallway. You now, people pay attention. Okay, so then the second leg of our stool is business and technical writing. And yes, we help people write reports, but these days it's email, right? It's mm, all no about doubt. email. No so doubt. Uh, we do a lot of that, and we'll talk about that in our session this afternoon. And then the third uh, uh, part of our stool uh, is the uh, interpersonal element. And we work with uh, lots of clients who have lots of talent, but they're just not really taking advantage of that talent, if you will. And also, just to clarify for you, we kind of say interpersonal skills is the more personal, the more subtle, the more one-on-one kind of communication that, hey, we all do every day at work. So, I I was going to share with you this uh, survey, Warren Warren Bennis, who's considered a pioneer in the field of leadership studies, he surveyed people who attended the top university. I mean, I'm talking Yale and Harvard. And he talked to them five years after they graduated. And he said, what did you wish you had learned in school that Hmm. you didn't? And do you know what the top answer was? Writing skills, presentation skills, and communicating one-on-one. People just omit it. No,
1: you know this is so lovely, right? What and I want to go back to what you started with, and I love the way you opened because I wanted you to introduce yourself. Yourself, you did that beautifully. We we talk about this notion of that really all we do is we talk, right? So what we really do is all we really do is we speak and we listen, and that's it. That's what our currency of work is. And so I want to talk first in this next segment about let's get into the oral piece of it. So when I think about communication and speaking. I, I, Of course, I notice right away people's accents, their cadence of speech, their sure. volume of speech. Will sure. you comment a bit about how important those are? And
2: do you work with your clients on on things like that? Absolutely. In fact, I'm, I love that you mentioned the voice because I think we often overlook that. And again, aren't we all sensitive to monotone and people who go on and on? And what the voice touches on actually is is presence, I think. I mean, that's an element of it. But just think for a minute, you know, what is presence? Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, I know it when I see it, and I certainly know it when I don't see it. But, boy, it's hard to define. In fact, I wanted to throw this out to you and your audience. So UCLA did a study about a speaker's total impact. No specific setting, just... Think about this. The speaker's total impact comes from three areas. It's going to be visual presence, which obviously we don't have going for us right now on the radio. (laughs) Right. But if a person is live and speaking, you have visual presence, you have voice quality, and you have content of what they're saying. What do you think? And listeners, you can kind of think about this too. What's most important? What stand? What do you think stands out the most, or do you find, Would you guess they're all equal? you know, what, uh, do you have any thoughts on it, Elise? Well, I would say two things. I think the right answer is
1: visual. <laughs> however, <laughs> She's right. however, what I want to say to that is, I think, what's interesting from my vantage point as a researcher is because I I tend to be very auditory, and I do, and I love language, I do also pay a, a lot of attention to that quality of the
2: voice, just the things that I mentioned before, but I yes. do know that most for most people, it's the visual. Yes, yes true. It is very true, yeah. but the voice is also important, and hey, a least, given what you do, I'm not surprised you're kind of into the audio experience. <laughs> so, it makes a lot of sense to me. But yes, UCLA found that the visual impact is number one at 55% of your impression. And voice quality comes in at 38 mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, now, wait a second. You mean it doesn't matter what I say? It's all about these other two? And, of course, we know that's not true. But the the difference here is, basically, do we believe what we hear or what we see? And if they don't match, that is, body language and the message spoken, we have a problem with believing and trusting you know, it, it's very interesting, and I work with a lot of clients who spend, hey, all their time working on the content, and they just ignore the delivery, mm-hmm. and so that becomes very eye-opening, at, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but that's so eye-opening to to my clients that the delivery counts just as much as the words. In fact... Uh, Just to share with you, too, in terms of delivery, I was working with a female financial executive, and she was very knowledgeable, you know, in her work. And, you know, she studied finance, but she was a shy, analytical person. And so that speaking up at a meeting or presenting to a group of people was was downright painful for her. It was very difficult, and so she came to our workshop. and After the first day, she was really confronting her fear and pushing herself out of her comfort zone. But it was the second day that she really uh, came alive and and truly started to shine as an excellent presenter because she had a chance to assimilate the tips that we share
1: Mm. okay so i want to say a couple things about this this is so awesome so years ago when i was teaching at the university of phoenix uh, obviously i was teaching mostly adults who are coming back to go to school so uh, they were not your typical 18 to 20 year old students Mm -hmm. and whenever i had them speak up in class i always asked them to stand
2: Ah. and present,
1: get up because that gave them presence and confidence and their voice would cascade across the room better. It would land differently. And at first they were very uncomfortable with this. And they were like, Dr. C, why do we have to do that? And I'm mm-hmm. like, just trust me. You'll thank me later in life. It will work for you. Can you talk about that that aspect? Because that, to me,
2: that really marries presence and the voice. Yes. Uh, so one of the things I, I think, would it relate to wanting to appear confident? hmm For sure. You know, I mean, isn't that something we all want? And there are times when we're not, let's face it. And so we all kind of become a bit of an actor, if you will. And I think that if I share with you four areas of presence and to explain a little more what I'm talking about here. So the first area is everything we see. It's the total look. It's going to be how you're grooming, what you're wearing, your eye contact, And even your posture. Mm -hmm. The second area that's so critical is how you talk. And there it is, the voice that you uh, care so much about. And how you express yourself, your tone, the words you choose, and even can you use silence? Mm, The third area of presence is all about thinking. And it's, can you think on your feet? Can you summarize? Can you stay on point? It's hard to do, isn't it? It is. And of course, the fourth area of presence is going to be your reputation, your track record over time, your experience. And of course, in our work, which is both coaching and workshops and speeches. We really focus on those first three to help people with how they're coming across, how they sound, and can they be clear and think on your feet?
1: I love that you gave us these specific the specificities of presence because, it, as you said before, it can be so on heart. It's sort of yes, like what I want nebulous. To say nebulous <laughs> and and swishy. So that was that added so much more concreteness to it. I, of course, will gravitate to certain speakers that I think are fantastic, that that, that work for me, that call me. But let's talk first. What detracts from really good
2: communication? Well, we all know people can have mannerisms. They can... Uh, well, little things. Okay, here, let me toss out. I'm almost going to take it the opposite way. But a lot of times people don't want to move when they're talking. They they're don't plant it. Yes. And actually, that is a detriment for you. You actually want to move and you're more engaging when you move. Mm-hmm. Also, an interesting piece for all, but I'll even say a bit for women especially, is adding a large gesture when you're speaking to a group of people and you have the poise to move and have a large gesture from the shoulder, you actually add to your authority. It's quite fascinating to see. And of course, in our workshops, we use iPads and you get all kinds of feedback. And, you know, so, so it's kind of a nice way to see how you're really coming across to other people. You know,
1: one of the things that has been very useful to me when I think about the work that I've got that I've done over the years and that people have helped me is seeing myself on videotape. Now, I've heard myself many, many times, of course, my voice. I know my voice, I'm used to it, I'm 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 over it, it's fine, I'm, I no longer feel uncomfortable listening to it because it is what it is. I, However, I'm still adjusting to seeing myself on video. It's it's incredibly
2: yes, raw and yes. right there in front of you. It, it's so true. It's so true. I don't think anybody enjoys watching themselves. And yet, when we use it in our workshops and coaching, it is such a valuable tool. There's really nothing like it. You almost have to get over the fact you're going to be hard on yourself and just try to observe how you can improve. Mm-hmm because mm-hmm. right, we always beat ourselves up don't we absolutely you know so. absolutely and it's it, it's definitely we're our own worst critic there's no doubt but it truly is getting aside from that and see the value and the video really does bring value well and
1: i think when we can get some real feedback about how what we're delivering works what doesn't work it's just so incredibly important like some people don't realize of course how that they aren't moving or that they're nervously jangling the change in their pocket and that's all we hear
2: mm-hmm. because they're nervous or they're they're just unaware of that habit exactly and kind of as we're saying um, we have i just thought I'd mention we have an upcoming workshop to help leaders who may be too busy to really commit to improving their image or their interpersonal skills and it's a it's a really nice one-day program that we're doing here in Dallas September 12th Okay. So um, listeners can go to our website at booer.com. I'm sure you'll give that information later. I always do that
1: toward the end. uh Um,
2: That sounds great. And I just thought I'd mention it now while we're talking about some of these presence issues, because Often, as we're saying, people spend all their time preparing content, and they don't have a chance to think about these more subtle things, but they become the icing on the cake, and they become what will make you a memorable communicator.
1: Well, and the other thing that's so important, because people that are sitting there are going, well, maybe I really don't communicate much in my job. Well, you do, because that's all we do is speak and listen. And what I know, of course, is that the better we are at communicating, the more effective we are at getting people enrolled in our vision, what it is we want them to do. It might be that the difference between our next promotion, how we're doing in sales. Exactly. Are you on track for sales?
2: Are you not on track? Maybe there's exactly. something to do with your, with your presence and your communication. It's really true. I mean, isn't that, you know, most people say, oh, I have good communication skills. But are you able to really motivate are you able to get buy-in? Can you persuade? And that really is the basis of it all if you are really effective. And maybe you could be a little more effective. And that's kind of what our specialty, to help boost people's skills. Mm-hmm.
1: And and really being able to land and connect with someone. Like just today, um, I had a conversation with somebody who was a, was a good communicator, spoke well, but kept speaking over the top of me. Ah. So we weren't having really a conversation. In my mind, maybe in his mind we were, but in my
2: mind we were not actually communicating, right? Because he's cutting you off and taking over. You know, it's a subtle thing, but you kind of felt, well, I'm not being heard, and I think this guy is, you know, being too pushy, yeah. Isn't that, You know, it's interesting; it could come off that way. And so it it does disrupt the connection, the relationship. Yes, and that is communication skills is all about building relationship. And I'm afraid sometimes our technology is making that more difficult. You know, it's like, I don't want to talk to that person. I'll just send them an email. Right. And you better pick your times and be careful. Uh, nothing like face-to-face communication. I
1: completely agree. And on that note, let's move to technology, shall we, for a quick break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Christine Cassidy, who is a senior consultant with Boer Consultants here in Dallas, where she's worked with dozens of organizations for more than two decades, helping them increase their productivity through effective communication. We've been talking in this segment about the oral communication piece and presence. After the break, we're going to get into business writing. Stay with us.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to elise, A-L-I-S-E, at elisecortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Christine Cassidy, who is a senior consultant with Brewer Consultants here in Dallas, where she has worked with dozens of organizations for more than two decades, helping them to increase their productivity through effective communication. She is with me here in my Dallas studio office face-to-face for this conversation. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking about oral communication and presence. And now for this next segment, I really want to get into writing. And I know that sounds really simple, but when I think about how much of what we do at work also includes the written component, it's it's kind of overwhelming. So, to kick us off, the first thing I want to ask you, Christine, is when you think about the the people that you run into, yes. professionals that you encounter, whether you're coaching them, whether they're, you find them in a workshop, um, how would you rank their communication skills so on a scale of 1 to 10, mm-hmm. 10 being Awesome rock star, one being dismal. Please don't don't write anything.
2: I'm sort of sad to say, but probably three to four. Oh
1: my god.
2: Wow. You know now we know there are some people who are better writers than others. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, people kind of think, eh, you know, I text, I send an email, what the diff. Does not does any of it matter? So, in fact, I would love, let's just consider, and, and our listeners can do this too, what complaints do you have about what you are reading every day? You know, just consider that for a second. What comes to mind? Um, like, uh, do you ever wonder what the point is? Do you read through an email and go, what in the world are you telling me all this? Or... Here's one for you. Do you think grammar matters? And sometimes people will say, Oh, heavens, no, it doesn't matter. But I think it does. I do too. You know, and consider for a moment that grammar becomes a reflection of us. And if you think about it, our writing is a reflection of us. No question. And, you know, our bosses don't follow us around all day to see what we're up to. And it really becomes a way to document your work, your results, to be persuasive. And yet, its I think it's something people struggle with. Mm-hmm. And as much as we as readers struggle, I think writers struggle. Because wouldn't you also agree, as a writer, it's not easy to be clear, it's not easy to be succinct and on point. Mm-hmm.
1: And yet, what I think about as you're speaking, Christine, is when I get an email or any kind of piece of written communication that's really well done, it really stands out. Oh, cool. I right? love that. It really stands out. Like, yes. ooh. And to your point earlier, when I get that, I find...
2: The writer more credible and somebody that I want to listen to and interact with. Marvelous. I love that. I love hearing that because I think writing is a very important skill. And just like the presence we talked about earlier, I really want to make the point that it's learnable. You know, there's a lot of people with English as a second language who come into our workshops. And you know what? Typically, their grammar is better than an American who's lived here and speaks only one language. I know
1: that <laughs> to be true. And I think part of that, as somebody who does speak other languages, is that there, I think we pay a little less attention, maybe, in the way that we're schooled, in, in terms of maybe my generation, to how grammar is constructed, etc. And only when we learn as an adult a, another language do we go back to grammar rules. I yeah, wonder very if that's good. part of it. I don't
2: know. And you know what, Elise? Grammar rules change. So it's kind of uh, tricky as we get older, what you learned in school has become obsolete because the rules, It's. I think this is very interesting, that grammar rules change according to how we use the language. Mm. And if you think about it, the word Googling did not exist <laughs> a few years ago. Right. And even the word surfing has new meanings. <laughs>
0: it
2: does, <laughs> you know. So, uh, in fact, I like to go to consider this: where did all of us learn to write in school? Obviously, and here's the sad fact that is one of the reasons why we're not better writers. And let me explain: Did you all have teachers like I did? Middle school or high school, and they give assignments based on length. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to write me an essay that is 10 pages long, right? And so just think for a moment, what is the carryover of that to business, right? It's like, well, if it's important, I'm going to make sure it's long. But, you know, we had teachers reading what we wrote to give us a grade, and that's not true of our reader today. We might have all different variety of readers, and it's tricky to please them all, but we have tools to help you with that in our writing program, and I'll share a couple here as we talk, but the idea is it's a whole different purpose than writing for a teacher at school, and we tend to say more than is necessary, because we've been trained, haven't we? In fact, I, I remember my son uh, working on a paper, and uh, we had the computer set up in the kitchen, and I, I remember asking him, so, um, hey, Nick, you know, uh, how's that report coming along? And he said, well, Mom, you know, I'm really done. I've said all I have to say, but she wants three pages, and I only have two. So, my I guess I'll get busy and fluff it up, right? And, and that's what happens. And so, what we talk about in our workshop, we have twofold things in writing. The importance of thinking about the reader before you start typing. And most people think about it. Hey, man, I'm in a hurry. I got to get this out. I'm just going to start typing away. But actually, you're going to be a much better communicator, a much better writer, if you think for a minute before you start typing, who needs to get this and what is my point? And then, so in addition to thinking about the reader, the second key thing is to make your bottom line your opening line. And this, again, is very different from what we learned in school where we were taught the narrative format, and we feel we have to tell a story in every email that we write. (laughs) And, you know, we don't really have to do that. And so if you make your bottom line your opening line, now people, oh, that's where you're going. I got it. You know, you get to the point at the beginning, instead of so many writers feel they have to give context I have to give you background or you're never going to get my point. And that is just really not true. You will be a much better communicator if you get to the point early. And we teach folks how to do that in our workshops.
1: Mm. So I have two thoughts about this. One is that when we think about how important writing is, um, I can tell you that recently within my firm, we won a very significant contract on the basis of the client having read a report that we we wrote, wow. and he said, "This is such good quality writing. It shows me the depth and and, and breadth of your ability to think, to to be able to contribute unique a, a perspective on 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 an issue." And
2: really, it was on the basis of that. Quality report that we won the contract. That's fantastic, right? I'm very happy to hear it. I am, and just to share another story with you, one of my clients w- writes a lot for the C- uh, C-suite. You know, the CEO, the CFO. These are people he's communicating with all the time, and the feedback that he received from the CEO was, "What is your point? What?" What are you trying to tell me? Yeah, um, are what do you, I do with this? You know, right? And even the CEO was kind of wondering, "Are you talking down to me?" Mm. <laughs> but uh, I was able to work with him and coach him, and he really turned his writing around. And in fact, the next time he met with the CEO, uh, the, the comment was, "Excellent summary." And uh, so it was nice. My client felt that his time, uh, his time with me, was a really good investment. And it really helped him. And he's a perfect example of someone who's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so smart and he knows he's he's an expert. But, you know, if you can't communicate about what you're doing, what good is
1: it? It's so true. Well, the other thing that came to my mind that I wanted to ask you about, because yeah. you really are the expert in this deal, I can re- remember when I was doing my college work, and I did i'm a, I'm a very much a non-traditional college student. I was actually in brazil and and I would create create my papers and then back then fax them into American professors. <laughs> but it. I will tell you that uh, there's no way that I can compare the quality difference between the papers that I, Wrote out by hand. In other words, I wrote an outline, and then I actually wrote the papers out by hand, and then I typed them in and sent them Hmm. in versus the papers that I typed, typewrote missing that
2: the handwritten piece. Interesting. Can you speak
1: to that at all?
2: Well, there is a correlation, I firmly believe, in our writing with our hand and a pen on paper. And there's a correlation to our brain. Mm. And I think, you know, for example, many people like to take some notes. And I think that's part of it, because if I take the notes, I'm like writing it down. There's more effort on my part. And also, Elise, I think you're an old-fashioned girl. Is I another am. part I'm afraid of it, I right? Am. So, yes, Guilty as because charged. it is. It certainly is possible today to not have to write it okay. all out. Okay. But what is critical is to think before you start typing. And uh, as I say, most people don't. You know, and it really it the what you get is this long drawn drawn out email, and we are wondering what in the world is the point, point? and does my does this person want me to do something?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, 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 one of my problems with, with regard to writing any or reading anything is I have a very short attention span. So anything, okay, that's, sure. anything that's very long or lengthy, I, I really kind of check out or I say, Oh, I'll get to that later. Well, then it builds up and then yes. I wait. And, and so can you speak a little bit to some of the things that make
2: for really effective, let's just talk about email, effective email. Great. Um, so I agree with you completely. I think most people do have short attention spans. Mm. And so we share a marvelous format for getting to the point. And if there's any action, you get to that so that because people are going to quit reading something else that we do that I think is very effective for the variety of readers that we have in business is we layer information so that. Most important stuff is up top, and then other readers might have to read a little deeper into a document. We also help with formatting because I think that's helpful too. You know, are you able to get the information you need, Elise, quickly out of a long document? Mm-hmm. You know, so using white
1: space and and fonts and
2: even basic things like that. That's right. Got it. But let's think about email in particular for a second because we all live with that. And, you know, uh, to our listeners, what are some of your pet peeves? Right. I mean, how do you feel about reply all? (laughs) I mean, people (laughs) overuse that one, I think. Right. Or how about limit? Distribution lists on a real need to know basis. You know, people just send it out just to sort of cover all their bases. And, but you know, then maybe you didn't need to get it. And don't want to and get it, it. And you don't <laughs> want to get it. And you get too much email anyway. So it's like these, these, they're actually small things that really create a little more email respect, or as we like to call it, email etiquette,
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: right? Because there are little things we can do as a writer that make it a lot nicer on the other end.
1: So, like, give us a couple tips here. I would like to make sure that our listeners can walk away with something actual they can put to use as soon as they walk away from the show. So just a couple things that you would coach people on with
2: regard to email? What would you tell them to pay attention to or work on? Sure. Well, so as we were just saying, limit those distribution lists. Don't just make it easy for yourself. Only use reply all if it's really necessary. Got it. Don't just dump a whole string of emails into your boss's in-basket, you know, or inbox, inbox rather, uh, it's not appreciated. In fact, that's the number one complaint I hear from senior executives is they have employees that just dump all these email exchanges and expect them to wade through it. Mm. You know, don't do it. Maybe you need to start a new email and summarize what's going on. You know, instead of forcing someone to go through all that, I'm sure you probably wouldn't appreciate it either. Uh, Our listeners probably would agree. On that one. Um, Let's see, what are some other things that come to mind? Don't use receipts. You know, some people use email receipts. We kind of recommend not doing that. Okay. Uh, It can put people off a bit. Oh, and here's another thought. Do you ever do this, Elise? We might be communicating back and forth with email, but we're not even talking about the subject anymore that's in that subject line. But people get too lazy to change it. We should. We should change it. This is a little bit off topic, but I do want to get to it
1: because it's still writing. And I just thought about it because I was thinking about my students that I teach at SMU here in Dallas. And one of the things we talk about, of course, is their interaction on social media, right? That is a written format. Yes. And I remember distinctly talking with one of my students who said, I never, I never, I just forward or I like. And I share what I see on social media and I say I said to him, Do you mean you never actually make a comment about whether you think it's useful or what's useful about why would you share this? He said, No, I never do. And I said, Then what's your value? Why share it? If right. you don't have a position on that, that's right. You
2: need to get some skin in the game and say something about it. And therefore it's going to distinguish you. That's Can you very true. Speak to that it, at all? It's very true. Well, it, it's kind of the same thing, even if you were writing an email. Mm-hmm. Do you know sometimes I talk to people and they say, Oh, I didn't really have a point. I just had to, you know, do, well, if you don't have a point, why are you why are you posting? Why are you sending it? You know, and that's what's happening. It, it's too much information overload. And as you're saying, people not taking skin in the game and just forwarding and, you know, rather than do you have a point you want to make and share? I agree. There's a lot more strength in that than just forwarding. And value, I think, yes. as well. And
1: again, I, part of the reason that I wanted to have you on the show, Christine, is that when we are really effective oral and written communicators we distinguish ourselves mm-hmm. we become more effective mm-hmm. and and i think it's such an important thing to pay attention to and and really it's such an art and a science and i love the fact that you keep reiterating that we can learn this stuff
2: yes it really is you know sometimes people think it is personality driven you know some people just have that asset. You have to to have charisma. You know, Right. Or, you know, you're an English major or you're not a good writer. And it's just not true. It's not necessary.
1: Uh, Well, and that's one of the things that I find fascinating, especially when you take someone like you were talking about earlier, who's got a beautiful analytical skill set, knows their stuff in and out, but isn't intimately comfortable with being able to communicate it either orally or
2: in written form. That's right. To help those people Boy, you really set them apart. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I just love about my job. I love being able to help them and to see, you know, sometimes it really is a transformation. I will say in the presentations program and in the writing program, it's like people have moments of, oh, wow. And in and, and writing, it's like, I can't believe I sent this out last week. But it's such an incredible growth and they'll have the skill for the rest of their lives. Again, one of the other things I
1: love about you, Christine, is you clearly are passionate
2: about what you do. And it's (laughs) so
1: important to really enjoy and hopefully love what you do because that comes across in how we message, right? Right. How does what we say land on somebody when we love it to the bone? I remember years ago when I was in Portland, Oregon, and I had a geology class, Christine. And if this was not something, I I remember having to take it. It wasn't on my radar. I didn't want to take it. But do you know the Professor loved rocks, he was so excited about <laughs> right. rocks. He got us all excited about rocks. And to this day, wherever I travel, I check out rocks.
2: That's awesome. Because
1: of this professor and yes. his passion. So, yes. Uh, I just think it's so important when we think about what, if we love something, to be able to make it come alive for our audience and how we talk and how we write about it is so important. Absolutely. And with that, let's cut to a quick break. I am Elise Cortez, your host. I'm sitting here with Christine Cassidy, who is a senior consultant with Boer Consultants here in Dallas, where she has worked with dozens of organizations for more than two decades, helping them increase their productivity through effective communication. We've been talking in this segment about the importance of written communication. After the break, we're going to get into the arena of interpersonal skills, including things like conflict resolution. Stay with us.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to one 346 9141 Again, that's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to Elise A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working On Purpose.
1: Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Christine Cassidy, who is a senior consultant with Boer Consultants here in Dallas, where she has worked with dozens of organizations for more than two decades, helping them to increase their productivity through effective communication. She is right here next to me in my Dallas studio office for this conversation. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking about written communication. For this last segment, I want to get into a piece of what I think of communication, and that's interpersonal skills. Before we get into that, though, I know that for a lot of our listeners, that might be a really one of those other squishy words. So what does interpersonal
2: skills mean to you? Yes. And let's differentiate, just as you're saying, we talked about presentation skills, which can be formal or informal. It could be at a meeting. It could be running into someone in the hallway. And then we talked about writing skills, which certainly everyone's writing today, probably more than ever before. And then interpersonal skills is a little more subtle. It is the kind of um, uh, one-on-one interactions, maybe very small meetings, but these skills are important and they're a little different because we don't have time to plan. And it's very interactive. And so we help with things like I know we're going to talk about resolving conflict and even subtle things like listening, being a better listener, and so on. So that's kind of what we mean. And that's what we're going to talk about in this segment.
1: I remember not that long ago, I was doing a fair amount of work with a a technical organization that really wanted some help in conflict resolution. So one of the one of the courses that I facilitated for, I don't even know how many, hundreds, maybe closer to a thousand of their leaders was around conflict resolution. And they mm. got so much out of it. So mm. why don't we start with that, just say a little something about that. So it's one of those important skills that people say, I wish I was better at that. Uh, I wish I had that skill, that competency. What are some of the things that you do to help your clients with conflict resolution?
2: Sure, well, Certainly, we all know that conflict is a fact of life. It's going to happen to us and it happens all the time. But one of the interesting things that we talk about is that we have choices when it comes to conflict and how we react and how we resolve it. And just one one thought, have you ever noticed that if you stay calm, what an amazing simple thing that is, not always easy to do, but how that can help other people stay calm or if they're unable to stay calm, the their, up, the, their anger or their upsetness sort of stays over there with them. Uh, you know, it's kind of just think about it. If you're in a bad mood and you have an interaction with somebody, you're likely to annoy them. And if you are positive in your interaction and the person you're inter- interacting with is in a bad mood you can kind of ignore it or possibly even help them uh, turn around simply by how you control yourself, you know, and staying patient. In fact, I, I was going to share with you, I actually had this happen uh, with my husband. We had taken a one-week uh, vacation, and it was one of those vacation exchange packages, and it was a Saturday-to-Saturday event. And so we thought, okay, great. We booked it. And then we found out, ah, we can't get there till the following Tuesday. But we thought, oh, well, that's okay. We're still going to go. We'll have a nice break. So it's we're getting ready to leave on that Saturday checkout day. And I go down to the lobby to see if I can get a late checkout. And the woman at the desk looks at the books and she says, no, you're not leaving until Tuesday. I said, oh, well, gee, I didn't know we could have stayed uh, that long, but no, we're going to have to leave anyway. So I guess the late checkout is okay. And she literally says, oh, just a second. And she goes into an office behind the desk, closes the door, and then emerges a couple of minutes later and says, well, that's going to cost you $65. And I said, well, wait a second, we're leaving two days early. And she says, no. Our policy states that whatever day you leave, you have to be out by 11 a.m. And I said, okay, well, why don't we say we're going to check out on Sunday then? But no, no, she said, you can't do that. That messes up our books. Our systems just can't handle it. I mean, it was just one of those. Doesn't that happen like practically daily, these little things? We, I want you to know we were able to compromise and we got a two o'clock checkout. So at least that was something.
1: <laughs> well, okay. So what I've, I'm paying attention to and I'm very present to when I hear that story, I'm, I'm taking back of the work that I did with this organization on yeah, conflict management. Yes. Punishment. And I remember one of the things that we that was part of the program to really instill and teach was the importance of being able to acknowledge, hear and acknowledge the emotions of the other party in yes. order to diffuse those emotions. Because conflict has a lot to do with emotions and how you manage them, right? That's very true. Right? And so what I remember distinctly about that program was that it, when you can actually say, you know, Christine, it looks like you're really upset. You're really, you're, you're just mad. You're just plain mad right about now. I is that yeah, right? And, yeah, it is and, good. And That's having, good. having somebody even just acknowledge that. That's right. Can help diffuse the emotions and get you more back on a, a playing field where you're talking again versus maybe shouting or raising your
2: voice or clamming up. Exactly. It's so true. And in fact, I'm going to share with you how we even use listening skills with emotion. And I'll, I'll show you that in, in just a few minutes. But I, I couldn't agree with you more that letting others vent uh, being able to uh, empathize with how they're feeling, that can just take you so far. Uh, and certainly being private about conflict can often be helpful. And you know something else? I'm curious what you'd say, Elise. I like trying to create alternatives. Hmm in the conflict you know so it's like we we don't focus on personal issues but okay so we see this differently let's see almost like work backwards how could this maybe work so I did you ever use that creating alternatives with your groups
1: it's funny I don't recollect that that might be something specific that you guys do in your program which is fantastic I don't recollect doing that okay
2: yeah just curious
1: yeah Uh, so I don't know. You were gonna. You were gonna. I, you were gonna do something with me when you mentioned on the break. I'm really curious about this. I, yes. I, I, again, I. It's really fun to have people like work on me in my program. But you said something. I've got yep. an upcoming trip here in a little bit of time to Italy. And you said you were gonna. Do yes. To sort of
2: exercise with me. Yes. What is I it? want to do an exercise with you, Elise. Okay, on the so, air. Here we
1: go, Lift Yeah. Yours. It's it's
2: on the air. So. This is, you know, Elise was just talking about how you can really help someone in resolving conflict by kind of watching and reflecting the emotion you're seeing. Well, we like to use this in listening skills, and we call it, you probably have heard of this, it's reflective listening. And some people think that that means kind of parroting back exactly what the person said. But that's not it. And if you use reflective listening, you actually can assist the person talking and I'd like to demonstrate this and then I'll tell you what we're doing afterwards. So Elise has just shared with me that she is leaving for Italy tomorrow and uh, so I would like for her to talk about her trip and I'm going to attempt to do reflective listening so I need you to pause a little bit and not talk constantly. Okay. Okay, so tell us.
1: About my trip. about your trip? Okay, so I have been to Italy before. Let me, a little context first. I've been to Italy before. I, I have worked on the language. I do, I have some comfort in, in being able to speak it and understand it. That's really important to me. So yes. we'll be going into Venice first. Okay. And then to Florence and finishing in Rome. Okay. And you've been to all of these places before. I have. How long ago was that? Decades. No, not decades. But. Um, <laughs> Well, actually, in Venice's case, I guess it was a couple of decades. Same thing with Florence. Rome, about three years
2: ago. Okay, okay. And what are you going to do on this trip? Is it just see the attractions, or what are, you, what are you hoping to get out of it? Oh, that's
1: such a great and yummy question for somebody who likes to travel. So, obviously, we're going to sightsee. and But a lot of it for me is so much about the the people I connect with along the way. Who do I talk with when I'm on the train? And is it in Italian? Is it in English? Yes. Is it in Spanish? That's is it in right. French? For me, when I travel, so much of what I get and what I find satisfying is related to the conversations that I have with people that I meet along the way, whether I it's agree. part of a tour or I whatever. Agree. And ideally,
2: if it's not in English. Oh, bravo, bravo. And so you, you're you ready with your languages. And I agree with you. I really prefer talking with the people more than the sites. So, okay, so enough of our little demo. But now I hope I was able to demonstrate some of this for you. And the keys to reflective listening are listening for feelings as well as facts. And I tried to do that with. Uh, agreeing with her and supporting her, and some and the questions that I asked her, you know, I kind of that encouraging of the speaker, and asking just enough questions, but you, of course you don't want to cut her off. I, I'm wondering, did you feel that? Did you feel like I I listened to you well, Elise?
1: Yes, and I
2: felt like I felt understood. I felt that you were present with me. Yeah. And, you know, so this is another good tip on listening. Our founder, Diana Boer, ha- travels uh, all over the place, and she has she has a favorite question. People stop her and say, oh, what would you say is your number one tip about being a better listener? And Diana would always respond... Decide you want to, mm. and just to be present, to decide you want to connect. And what's I notice in myself today with all of our technology stuff, it's easy to not be fully present, to multitask, half-listen, yeah, 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 go on, meanwhile I'm sending a text. You know, I mean, no, you're not really present then with the person. So I think even that, right? Don't you find people multitask a lot?
1: Yeah. And I think that there's something beautiful when we can be with somebody present in the moment and genuinely curious about learning about them and learning about what they have to say. And I tell my students that all the time. And of course, we talk with our clients about the same thing. Curiosity goes a long way.
2: Yes, it indeed it does.
1: We're almost out of time already, Christina, and I want to ask you two more questions really quick before we run out. One is, uh, you know, what it it occurs to me that the work that you're really doing is you're really changing habits around communication and interpersonal skills.
2: So, what do you find works best to get results? Yes. uh, And I think I mentioned that in our presentations program and writing programs, you really get immediate change for many. But interpersonal skills is a little more gradual. It is it is more subtle, and the workshops create increased awareness that you then kind of take back to the job and work on it. But we do offer coaching, and that's a real advantage for interpersonal skills because it gives you uh, multiple meetings with the client, typically a couple weeks apart, and it gives them a chance to really practice. And practice the tips, yeah.
1: I I think coaching, I tell everybody all the time, everybody should have a coach. Everybody needs a coach forever. Yeah. (laughs) All right, one last quick question, 30
2: seconds if you would. Just what do you want to leave our listeners with today? Communication skills may be the most important skills that you have, no matter what your job is. I really believe that if you invest in them, you can really boost your own career, And we can be a catalyst for change. And Boer Consultants is having that workshop coming up September 12. So any leadership, uh, uh, any folks who would like to boost their skills in interpersonal stuff and presentations and presence, come on and see us. Go to the website. All right, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been
1: great gobs of fun and I'm thrilled that we got to do it together in person. <laughs> Me too. Thanks so much, Elise. You're welcome. If you want to learn more about Christine Cassidy and the work she does at Boer Consulting, check out their website. It's very simple. It's Boor.com. That's B-O-O-H-E-R.com. Boor.com. Next week, we'll be on the air with Christopher Scott who shared his remarkable tale about spending 13 years in prison for a murder he did not commit. After a few years out of prison, he now dedicates himself to investigating other wrongful conviction cases through his organization he founded called the House of Renewed Hope. See you then. Remember that work is one of our lives, so let's work on purpose.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working On Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.